This is the only time you'll see me in shorts and sandals because I'm still on sabbatical. Hi, guys. Great to see you. Give me just a moment while I unpack for my sabbatical here. It's great to be with you. And I'll answer your question, which is obvious, by the end of our little talk today. So... This morning, I'm going to ask my lovely assistant, Gentry, there is something up here. Gentry, could you bring me that stand over there? There is something up here that says, I would like some hummus with my vegetables. I think it's in Egyptian. I don't know. My Egyptian's not very good. Thank you, lovely assistant. Um, Let me just put that right there. Good morning. How are you all? Do I look sabbaticized? (laughs) I'm getting there. Now, you may be wondering, why is he here? Thank you for not booing when I walked in the room. (laughs) I will answer that question in due time. But I'll give you a little teaser, a little little, uh, taster right now. And that is, we had originally scheduled... um, one of your speakers in July, Steve Deal, for two weeks here in, uh, in June, and he had to change that up. And so I actually had some other offers, but that's where I'll tell you at the end of the sermon why I didn't entertain those offers and why I'm here. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord God, it is good to be in your house, to enter into your gates with thanksgiving, and I truly do this morning. I thank you, Father, for the brothers and sisters that are gathered around Concord and Clayton and Pleasant Hill um, and the surrounding region today at this moment worshiping you. What a privilege it was to worship with some of them um, earlier this month. To know that the body of Christ is more than just those that are here in this room. And yet, Lord, to know that the body of Christ is in this room is so refreshing. Lord, refresh us now through Your Word. Let Your Holy Spirit speak far beyond what I can do in communication. Let Your message come through today. Thank you for this body, Lord. And I pray for those that are here today or that are part of our congregation that if they need rest, if they need healing, if they need renewing, reproof, Lord, let them seek that and grant it to them. Give them the wonderful taste of what it means to be able to rest in You. Help us to unpack that this morning. So we can apply that. So we can taste of Your sweet goodness today. Thank You, Father. Amen. Well, one of the reasons that I'm here is because I desire to speak on rest. I'm having such a good time with it that I had to come back and share with you how good this really is. Alright? Now, don't get overly excited. I'm not coming back till August. So, uh, so we're looking forward to it. Before we get into that, uh, Scott, did you share about men's retreat? Fernando. Fernando, we had a great time. We put five of our kids on that futon you slept on. It was, it's an amazing futon. We had a great time at that cabin this past week. Um, but, uh, but apparently the video... We weren't able to do the video. I'm here to announce a Father's Day gift right now. Just want to, this is it. I'm going outside of men's ministries. I'm not approved to do this. I'm just some guy visiting, so I don't carry any clout this morning. But the pastor here told me that what we were going to do for a Father's Day gift, ladies, today and today only, there is a new hot off my printer press uh, sign-up sheet for 2017 Men's Retreat. Give the gift of Men's Retreat to your husband if you sign up today 10% off for your men. Sign your men up today. Men, you can sign yourself up too. Alright? 
Um, we'll, we'll check handwriting later. Um, but we just had a tremendous, tremendous time. We'll show that. Hopefully we can show that video next week. I have a little box here. And um, uh, is there a lady in the audience I can borrow a purse from? I won't look inside it. I promise you I will not look inside your purse. All right. Thank you, Rihanna. Fantastic. How many of you cannot get over the fact that I'm wearing sandals in the pulpit? Or shorts. Well, I came prepared. I brought a tie for those of us that are struggling today. So you let me know. If this is too much, I'll throw this thing on. It is in warrior's colors. So uh, I did represent today. So, you know, our lives are filled with a lot. A whole lot. And I I just for the sake of, of where we're going today, let's just say that this, because Amazon is our life, right? At least they want to be. Let's say that this box represents your life. Now, we're just going to take whatever is here, which is very close and dear to Rihanna. Do you ever leave home without this thing? She does not leave home without it, um, because it acts as a weapon as well as a (laughs) carry-all. Okay, so you got that going for you. So, you know, that's got to go into your life. Everything that's in there has got to go into your life. And maybe you know you've got to keep up appearances, And so, you know, sometimes getting out and and making sure that we've got proper wardrobe, that's got to go in our life. Let's see, what else do we have? Um, Oh, yeah, money. Well, there's none in here, but let's just pretend, okay? So, you know, money's got to go in there. And what's the one thing that we didn't... Oh, yes. You see, we didn't have this this past week. We were completely unconnected. And I don't have time to go into all of that and what that's like. But I have, a, I have a term. None of you are allowed to copyright this. It's mine, although I haven't copyrighted it yet. But Ehab, right? We had Ehab this week. So that's got to go in because you can't live without your phone. All right? Now, you've got to stay well hydrated, right? So that's got to go in there. And, who, you know, normally I'd have donuts, but I've turned over a new leaf. It's a new pastor. Look at what sabbatical does for you. <laughs> what, Cindy? What? No? Okay, so, you know, the food's got to go in there. You've got to have that in your, in your diet. Now, um, who here has a Bible? Let me borrow from this fine young lady in the front row here. Hi, Mom. Hi. How you doing? So, you know, by the way, you know, you've got to kind of keep your life intact. So, you, you want to be able to close this thing, and uh, I don't know, yeah, can you guys over there see this, so, how many of you feel like that's your life, you're barely keeping it together, right, and this is interesting, there's no room for this. There wouldn't be room anyway because this is so huge. Even if there wasn't anything in there, there would be no room in this box. Wow. This is a very spiritual lady. So, I'm not going to eat the banana, but let's get into the Word of God this morning, shall we? Today's called Enter Into My Rest. Remove, rest, and renew. If you're taking notes, write that down. And we're just going to define these three words as if you did a Google search on these, which don't we all love Google searches? Have you ever Googled your name? It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. So let's start with the idea of remove. Why would we do this? This box is why I'm speaking about this today. That our lives, there's a, there's a great Christian band called Switchfoot. And they've got a, uh, one of their songs that really propelled them into um, relevance is we were meant to live for so much more. Now, if we took this box and we said this is the summation of our life, don't those words apply? Now, you know that the, you know the illustration breaks down because there's so much more that we do that, that I'm not putting in the box. But the question is, is what's in your box? And does your box get so crowded that you have no room 
for the things God intended for you. Which includes rest. How many of you feel like you can take a week off this week? How many of you feel like... (laughs) Some of you like, I want a week off. How many of you feel like you could even take one day out of your work week or there's just too much? Let's just start with the moms and how much you moms do. Right? Imelda, do we have child yet? How soon? Three weeks. Now, have you laid out a complete battle plan for your family while you're incapacitated? You should. You should. They need to know what to do and where to go and how to say it. and what, how, Just train them in how to use a fire extinguisher and you'll be all right. By the way, it'll be a great, great time. And, and as well for Shannon uh, in a couple weeks. But your lives, you're adding, you're adding a life into your lives. How much room do you have in your box? And I don't know that anybody other than a mom, a full-time mom, knows more about the desire for rest. But we don't give ourselves permission to rest, do we? You know, the odd thing about that is God worked real hard six days. And then what did He do? He rested. Thou shalt keep the Sabbath what? Holy. We're a society that has taken away those principles and those demonstrations and examples by God that are good and healthy for us. And we've slowly chipped away at them and we've rationalized them away. And I'm not going to get into the legitimacy of the Sabbath. It's not this message. But the reality of it is, rest is needed. Rest is a godly example. Rest is a godly gift. And some of you are saying, preach it, Pastor. I just don't get it. How do I get there? So let's look. Number one. So hopefully I've set the table enough. You've got to start with removal. You've got to start with removal. Um, Rich, would you be my assistant? Come on up here, Rich. Rich, you get a banana because I won't eat it. I'm taking back my phone because I need it. And can you please run this? Oh, okay, things are falling out. I told you I wouldn't look. There's some kind of a binder in here. And um, okay, let's run this back to Rihanna and swear you, you never saw anything in there. Wallet. Unless somebody wants to put money in it and then give it back to me, that'd be great. Um, water stays up here. And, oh, Rich, don't sit down yet. You're not done. Now, I have removed a lot. Can you please go get the Bible from that studious woman right there? She's not going to be able to take any notes today. Her Bible keeps getting taken from her. And now we have room. Okay, removal. Can you please run that back to her and wait till after the service to eat that? Rich, are you ready to rest in your seat now and not be called on anymore? You have permission to rest, my friend. Doesn't that sound sweet? Now, I didn't even have that plan, but isn't that comical? How many of us just get strung on all the time? Now, some of those things we can't remove from the box, but some we can. There is no room for rest unless you start with removal. Let's start talking about that. So the definition of removal, it means to take something away or off from the position occupied. Customs official remove documents from the premises. So that's the verb, but listen to the noun. A degree of remoteness or separation. At this remove, the whole incident seems insane is the statement there. There's two concepts here, and that is the idea to take something away or out of. And the second one, the noun, is the idea of a degree of remoteness or separation. You know, my time so far, the first week on sabbatical, there wasn't a lot of removal. There was the removal from my responsibilities here, and the staff and the elders have done a great job with all of that, but I became Mr. Mom. I became Uber, right? I was driving six hours a day. I, I, I cannot tell you how much my wife must have to do, and, and my poor children tolerating my, 
my muttering, my uber muttering from the front of the car. And, and then there was all the honeydews and all the things that I've let go around the house that I felt compelled. I got to do this. I got to do this. And then there was preparing to go on our trip. But it was about the third or fourth day we were on our trip that I had removed enough that I started to rest. What is it that we need to remove from our lives so we can rest? But we're not a society that removes, do we? We keep adding. What do I mean by this? Let me ask you, your last vacation. Did you need a vacation from your vacation? Because you didn't schedule rest. You scheduled more activity and you kept filling your box with more and more and more. And so we don't come back recovered. you got to get away from the noise. Jesus had a pattern of withdrawing. So turn in your Scriptures to John 6. We're going to look at this real briefly. We're going to be through a lot of Scriptures today. And we're going to look at one account especially through three different Gospels. Right now, we'll just start in John. And it's one of my favorite accounts. Um, It's the feeding of the 5,000, but I don't know how much I've paid attention in the past to all that that meant going into it. And here's here's the challenge. When John writes, he uses certain terminology or words to describe roughly all that had happened in the past. And what's amazing is in my studies or in my, my desire to root out what caused this event to start, it wasn't until I got to John that I truly learned why they retreated, why they removed themselves. And initially I thought it was Jesus removing Himself because we talk about it in those terms, but part of what had happened is Jesus had sent out the twelve and they had done all this ministry and they had come back. And what had happened just prior that we see chronologically in the Scriptures here, back it up to John 5, is the beheading of John the Baptist. And it says that the disciples went and gathered the body and then they came to Jesus and they shared with Him what had happened. How many of you need tremendous rest when you've lost somebody? And so when I first started reading this, I was thinking from the perspective that Christ was so grief-stricken. And there is an element of this. That Christ was so grief-stricken that that's why He removed Himself and went up onto this mountain. But listen to these words. Again, let me just focus on (coughs) 1-13. through It says, after this, after all those events, is what John is saying, right? Right? Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long and 7 miles wide. He went to the opposite end. He is escaping. He is getting away. He says He went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following Him because they saw the sign that He was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down with his disciples. Now I think it's Mark where we're going to read and you'll see where Jesus says to them, come, get away. You don't hear that yet in John. It just simply says this, Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. He went away from all the demands that the crowds were pulling on him. He removed himself. I remember my son and I, we would go down to spring training. And my favorite angel, which maybe now it's Tim Lincecum. Okay, Mike? Maybe it's, maybe it's Tim Lincecum. My favorite angel, and, and they actually took a vote on this, the most beloved angel baseball player ever has been Tim Salmon. And Tim was still playing, and we went down to spring training, and there's an area right by the tunnel where they go in and out that they'll sign balls. And I had been talking this up with my son over and over. You really want to get Tim's signature. You really want to get... And so we went down, and by that time we had 40 men with their sons going on this trip. And my son was so kind, and he let all these other kids, first-timers, get in there. And Tim's signing away, and I'm standing up there, and I'm like, yes, he's finally going to get that, and then I'm going to get that ball from him. No, I wouldn't do that. And I have a picture of my son. 
You see, what happens is Dylan's letting all these other kids experience this great joy and get the very thing he desires the most. But when a, 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 a signal happens from somewhere in the stadium that they're ready to start the inning, the players have to stop. And Tim had reached for my son's ball. It doesn't get any more painful. Had reached for my son's ball and was holding it in his hand and the signal happened. And he took the ball, because he didn't have a pen, took the ball and handed it back to my son with no signature and removed himself from the game. Now do you think that there was a sense of like brokenheartedness by Tim Salmon that he killed my kid right there in that moment? I would hope so. He's a believer. I would hope he understands. But he had to what? He had to remove himself. No matter what the desire was, no matter what the calling was, no matter what the demands were by the crowds, no matter breaking this little kid's heart. And I have this picture of my son turning around with this look of <laughs> on his face. And then I have another picture that maybe Alan took it of me with my arm around him, just talking it through with him. And it's one of my favorite pictures as a dad. But you know, Tim had to remove himself even though he probably didn't want to. Do you ever give yourself permission to remove yourself? Because if you don't, you will never get rest. Jesus did. Jesus saw the time and the moment where it was needed to remove himself. And so he feeds the 5,000 and does this incredible miracle. Now what's interesting is, remember this, that he had been getting strained. There was much on him. His cousin had just been killed brutally for the cause of Christ. For preaching righteousness. Do you think there, there was a burden within Christ's heart? Absolutely. If there was a burden for Mary and Martha as they're weeping over the death of Lazarus, there had to be a tremendous burden within Jesus' heart over John the Baptist being killed. And so what happens? He retreats. He gets away. And not only that, he takes his boys. He says, get up on this mountain with me. We need to remove ourselves from all the duty, all the work. And then what happens? The crowds show up again. Have you ever tried to do that? Moms, right? You remove yourself, you lock the door, bedroom, some sleepy time tea, right? Some home shopping network. I don't know. And here it comes. No, it's never just a nice little knock on the door. It's a scream from somewhere in the house. And you open your eyes and you look up and you say, Lord, could I not just have five minutes? You see, Jesus had removed Himself. Could He not just have a moment? We don't know how long they were there before the crowd showed up. But what did Jesus say? His disciples said, what? Send Him away. This is our time to recover. And what did Jesus do? He said, no, they're hungry. He had compassion on the crowds. You see, whether you're on sabbatical or not, you cannot get away from the compassion of Christ and the desires of Christ. You have to remove yourself. And we see Christ doing that. But then what happens? As you get down to the bottom, <clears throat> He goes through this whole process of encouraging them and, and having the people sit down and, and doing this miracle and gathering up the leftover fragments. And so verse 13, it says this, So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that He had done, they said, this indeed, the prophet who is, come, <clears throat> who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take Him by force to make Him king, here it is. Jesus withdrew. You see, there's a time to remove yourself. There's a time to remove yourself for many different reasons. Let's look at some of these reasons. Jesus removed Himself from the demands. And that's a time to say, enough! Enough is enough. The world can get by without Me for just a moment. He removed Himself from the crowds. That's a time to escape the pressure. Part of what John's alluding to when he says, and after this was all the pressure of healing people. All the pressure of, of the crowds coming to Him for more and more and more. Which is what Christ wants to give. He wants to bless. He wants to heal. He wants to transform lives. 
And He'll never remove Himself from you. Let's, let's get that straight. It's not, his, it's not His business. But yet He had to remove Himself from certain scenarios because the politics were getting so heavy. Here people wanted to make Him king. Up in Caesarea, they wanted to find a way to kill Him. So Jesus was savvy. He knew when to remove Himself from a situation. Brothers and sisters, when do we know the right time to remove? And I would simply say that if your life, if your life box is like this and it can't close, there's something that needs to be removed. There's something that needs to be removed so you get the rest that you need. He removed because of sorrow, possibly. I don't know for sure, but it is implied to mourn John's death. Upon hearing John's death, he went out into the boat alone, says one of the Scriptures. One of the Gospels. Upon feeding of the 5,000, He went up on the mountain alone to pray. His disciples were there, but it says in one of the other Gospels that He went alone. He removed Himself to a certain level. Matthew 15.21. Let's turn there and look. Again, how Christ understood with everything that was hanging in the balance of who He was and how important He was, yet Jesus saw that there were times where He needed to remove Himself. It says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now this is fascinating because Tyre and Sidon are outside the scope of the entire region of what would be Jesus' ministry. So Jesus didn't just go to a neighboring area. He didn't just transfer over to um, the uh, Lafayette store. Jesus got away from everybody that would be dependent on Him. He went and sought obscurity. He went to the land of the Gentiles, and yet what happens? And not that He didn't know that this would happen, but all of a sudden, behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, have mercy on me, Lord. And all of a sudden... His reputation has traveled all the way to the land of the Gentiles. He couldn't get away from it. But that's not the point I want you to focus on. What I want you to see is what did He do? At certain moments in time, He removed Himself from the people that He came to serve, to seek and save the lost. He said, I need to remove Myself. But His ministry is still followed by His reputation. And so no matter where He went... And that's a big key as to why I'm here today. So let me help you with some practical everyday removal. You ready? You can write these down. Number one, be able to shut down the noise. Alright? How many of you are constantly on this? And the reason is, is because you have to be. Your kids are contacting you. Your business is contacting you. you got so many emails. You know, it's amazing I haven't met the person yet that got fired because they shut this down. And maybe we need to be a society that says enough is enough. You can reach me between the hours of such and such and no more. That's it. Because if we don't draw the lines, if we don't remove some of the time that, that we're emailing, that we're texting, that we're Snapchatting, that we're Facebooking, that we're studying, that we're all those things, there will be no rest. There will be no rest. Be wise enough to know that everything doesn't depend on you. If Jesus could remove Himself, knowing that the salvation of the world depended on Him, you certainly can do the same. Amen? Now, let's just get something straight. Do not remove yourself from here on Sunday mornings. No, no, no. That's why I'm here. I want to send a message. Be wise enough to know that everything doesn't depend on you. Be balanced enough to schedule this time of rest. That means you have to remove things out of your calendar so that you can rest. Doesn't it? Remove things out of your calendar so that you can rest. So let's look at rest. Let's get into that. Uh, Oh, by the way, the last point on that, be ferocious in guarding that time. Be ferocious in it. So if that means you have to get up a little bit earlier, which means you're removing sleep, which seems counterproductive here, but we'll get to that in a second. 
then you do that. If it means that you just go out on your lunch and you walk to remove yourself from the noise of it all, then, then do that. Find ways, but guard it because there will always be something screaming for that time. You have to remove in order that you can rest. Let's get into rest, shall we? So the definition, the Google definition, is to cease work. Amen? Oh my goodness. You people love your work. You love your work, don't you? Oh, your whole identity is wrapped up in who you are at work. Cease work or movement in order to relax. Fathers, demand it today. But don't demand it every day. Cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength. We have a rest problem. We have a rest problem. Part of this challenge is that we've moved from uh, an agrarian society into an urban society. And and I'll, I'll put some feet to that right now. How many of you commute? Raise your hand. All right. We were just, Alan and I were just talking, my brother-in-law, we were just talking about this, that his commute from Brentwood to Pleasanton is getting worse. And it's just going to keep getting worse. Sorry, Alan, don't mean to depress you. It's just going to keep getting worse. I, I did a little study on this, ironically. You know, your Brentwood commute to the city, this is bad. This, is, this has to be going back like five years. says Brentwood commute one way, 40 minutes. From Concord, 30 minutes into the city. Discovery Bay, 45 minutes into the city. Maybe now that four is done, you know, you're taking a few, few moments off, but it's just going to get worse. And so that's an hour and a half a day or an hour a day just stuck in a car or stuck on BART, right? Are you resting when you're on BART? Some people are. My wife says she can't rest on BART. That, that it's, it's a scary proposition. And if she had a giant thing of Lysol, maybe she could <laughs> rest on BART. But right now, she can't do it. It's not possible. Nine million Americans are on sleeping pills. We just went from laughter to something serious. Now here's something that some of us in the room connect with 12 to 50 million suffer from apnea and approximately 1.5 million use a CPAP you got that going at men's retreat that was a whole new unique thing this year I had to schedule we had to kind of figure out who would room with who based off of CPAP machines (laughs) that's how messed up we are in rest and does anybody ever question why this is? Is it the Illuminati? Is it the aliens? Why all of a sudden do we have this brash sense of, of sleep apnea and sleep issues? I think we're so stressed that it affects us physically. There's so much in our box and we're not willing to remove anything that we can't rest even when it's scheduled time to rest. That's how bad it is. And I think losing track Somewhere in there about how God chose to rest one day and just reflect on the goodness of His creation. I think us losing track of that has added to this problem. We need rest. God rested on the seventh day. So should we. Let's get back to the story. Mark 6. Let's go look in Mark 6, shall we? This is the section that speaks to, again, the same story. But we are looking at, (coughs) excuse me, a little bit different revelation as to all that was said here. So if you go back to, say, verse 30. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all that they had done and taught. Remember that John said, after all of this, right? John's using a a compilation of many events that had added to the stress of Jesus and the disciples. Mark, however, is speaking more specifically to the idea that the disciples went and gathered John the Baptist's body 
And they've come to report to Jesus about this. And so this is what happens. It says the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And this also includes the fact that Jesus has sent out the twelve and said, go minister and come back. Now they're here. They've worked hard. And so what does Jesus say to them? He says, well, how was your order of worship? Well, how much time did you put into counseling versus your sermon prep, boys? Well, how much time did you spend serving those families and helping them around their, their farm? Or healing? Or teaching? Or proclaiming My name? No, no, this is what He says. And He said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. That was Jesus' primary concern. That after a season of hard ministry and hard life circumstances, Jesus says, remove yourself. And what? Rest. Often when you read a story in one of the Gospels, I encourage you, go find the parallel story in the other Gospels. It adds to. It's not a contradiction. Please don't think in those terms. It's just one person telling the story a certain way, another person telling it from their perspective. It all harmonizes. It all comes together. And so Mark tells it from Peter's perspective. And Peter, being that gregarious guy, you know, he, he's probably a passive-aggressive guy. Excuse my psychobabble there. But those kind of guys just crash. And I could just see Jesus thinking, okay, this guy's, this guy's done. He needs to get away. He needs to rest. And this is how probably why Peter gave this perspective that Mark records. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. Rest is the answer for stress. Here's the effects of chronic lack of sleep. Let's see how we're doing in this area of rest. You just checkmark the ones that apply for you. Do you need an alarm in order to wake you up on time? Okay, I mean, I think that's all of us. But you know, remember the Amish people? Oh, great, I went to a service today where the pastor told us to be like the Amish. That's great. I, I'm going to go somewhere else next week. Where I can be like the Romans, you know. But yeah, that's a little far-reaching. Yes, absolutely, I need an alarm clock in order to wake up on time. Now, okay, now it's going to get a little personal. How many of us rely on the snooze button? Any of us rely on that snooze button? How many of us have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning? I think they're just saying, how many of you are still breathing? Right? But this is a study. This is a legit study. Feel sluggish in the afternoon. How many of you feel sluggish in the afternoon? How many of you are pounding five-hour energy? All right? Or Red Bulls by one o'clock. Okay? How many of you get sleepy in meetings, lectures, or, or warm rooms? How many of you are sleeping right now? <laughs> right? <laughs> this is self-serving. I, I didn't write these. This came off the internet. How many of you get drowsy after heavy meals or when driving? I've seen some of you drive. Need to nap to get through the day. Fall asleep while watching TV or relaxing in the evening. Feel the need to sleep in on the weekends. Fall asleep within five minutes of going to bed. I, I don't understand how this is a chronic sleep issue or chronic rest issue. These all sound like normal things that we all go through, right? And yet I think that there was a day and age where this didn't exist. Have you ever been around Amish people? They just go to bed and they seem to have a ton of energy when they're going to bed. But not us. We always feel like we're dragging. Jesus provides rest for the soul. You physically need rest, emotionally need rest, but even more so, you spiritually need rest. Turn with me to Matthew 11. And let's look at this passage real quickly. <clears throat> I encourage you to write this reference down if you're taking notes. 
Jesus understands the need for physical rest. You heard it, an emotional rest. You heard Him address that with His disciples. Come away. Rest. Remove yourself from all of this and rest. But here He speaks to the need of the soul. And many of us are spiritually starving. Many of us are spiritually exhausted. Instead of For a whole year one time, this was before I met my, my wonderful wife, I heard somebody in, a, in a, a message say this, and so I adopted it for a year, and I, I probably held pretty true to it because I remember all the blank stares I got. When greeting someone, instead of saying, Hi, how you doing? I would say, Hi, how's your soul? If you ever want somebody not to talk to you, give them that greeting. Right? People don't know what to do. My soul? I don't even know if I have one. What do you... But we do not feed our soul. And yet we say why we're so bored with our faith. Why we feel so disconnected from God. Because we have spent the majority of our week filling this our life with things that don't give us satisfaction but require so much from us. We become soulless people. Jesus understood this. And so listen to these words. He understood that your soul needs to be fed And it is through the soul being fed that you really start to get that rest, that rejuvenation. And He says to to us, He says, come to Me. Start there. Come to Christ. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We were in a boat. Things have not gone well in some respects for me this week. As indicated by my left leg. I figure by the end of the month I won't have one. You'll hear a little bit more about that in a moment. Last day up at Hume Lake. We had this great canoe that was given to Alan by my father-in-law. And the boys go out on this canoe and and Alan's out fishing, and, and Grandma and Janine go to the far side of the lake to kind of watch. And so, what are we going to do? Dad is going to rent a rowboat and take the girls out in a rowboat. And we're going to troll. Have you ever tried to troll fishing lines while rowing? <laughs> For two hours of rowing. I dropped eight pounds That was just my ego. But getting in the boat did not go so well. So that's how this event started. And I'm thinking, this is not my idea of rest. This is not good for my soul. But you know, the more I rode, the more the pain moved up here from down there. And I started forgetting about my leg. And we caught a fish. And Jericho, what would you name the fish? Fred. Let's just say Fred went to a better place. (laughs) Maybe not so much. (laughs) Maybe not so much. But we made a new friend named Fred. And Pastor Jer rode and rode and rode his boat. And I thought of this verse. For my yoke is easy and light. You know, we would be rowing and when we would row, if that oar came out of its holder, it was worthless. You had no leverage whatsoever. But when that oar was stuck in that pivot point in that holder, so it would rest and get all of its leverage from that point, you could be effective. That's this yoke that Jesus is talking about. He says, lean on Me. Let Me give you rest for your soul. Let Me be the source of that rest. Heaven is described as rest ultimately. It is the destination for God's people. Rest is the antithesis of the curse from Genesis 3. What do I mean by that? Well, Genesis 3 is where the curse is issued and part of the curse was work. 
And that the ground would yield weeds and that there would be chain, chain and pile birth. Pain in childbirth. I still need to be on sabbatical. And on and on it goes. And so this is why we have this struggle with rest, but yet this is why God uses the term rest in, in Hebrews to speak of what He has for us in heaven. He knows that because of the curse, which was not His original intention, that we are blessed to look forward to what? Rest. How many days do we think about rest? as Oh, that would be heavenly. Listen to these words found in Hebrews 4, 9-10. It says, So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That is, and, and I won't get into the context of all of this, but in essence, the writer of Hebrews is speaking about the ultimate rest of heaven for the people of God that follow with obedience and follow with understanding of, of, of Jesus and salvation and faith. There is an ultimate rest coming. And we know that because of these next words. It says, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from His works as God did from His. Wow, that word rest is used a lot. The idea is that heaven is waiting for us. But not so much that we have to wait till heaven. You heard Jesus say, come to Me, let Me feed your soul now. Let me give you rest now, for my yoke is easy and light. And then there's an emphasis of the point of rest. It says God's rest has also rested, for whoever has entered God's rest, has also rested from His works as God did from His. That there will be a time when we're in heaven where all of this work will no longer be required. So what does that look like? How do you build a lifestyle of rest? Let me give you three points. Physically, guard your schedule. You can't do everything. So, first things first. Let go. Let go of some things. It is incredibly challenging for a pastor to walk away during summer when you see this huge dip in attendance. I praise you that you are here today. Thank you. We tried to keep it quiet. We tried to say, we don't know who's speaking today. And if people are like, well, we don't know, so we're not going. (laughs) Those are those people that sit right here. (laughs) So let them know next week when they show up. No, no, don't. Guard your schedule. You can't do everything. By the way, I want to commend you because... The first Sunday I was gone, I went to a local church. Janine and I went to a local church, but we couldn't help ourselves. We drove by and the parking lot was full. And I heard, Treya, that you missed George, the dog. Yes, but Neil, I heard, was fantastic and Bob was great last week. Can I just encourage you, starting next week, it just keeps getting better and better and better. Don't miss. We purposely brought people in from all over that you might be fed, that you might be given rest for your soul. Physical rest. Guard your schedule. You can't do everything. You've got to let go of some things. Emotional rest. Don't try to carry unnecessary burdens. How many of us are carrying around the burdens of our children? That's natural. But I think that's for them in a certain level to work out with fear and trembling according to Scripture with them in the Lord. I'm not talking about loving your children. I'm not talking about compassion. But I'm talking about an overarching sense of burden and worry, emotional stress that really isn't connected to much. You're just generally fearful of what's going to happen for your children. Do you know how much that takes away from your rest? Some of us struggle because it's been a long time for employment. Some of us struggle because of finances. Some of us struggle in marriages. I've committed and I've been praying, and I'll be honest with you, almost every day that I've been away from you for the marriages in our church. Emotional stress. 
Don't try to carry unnecessary burdens. And by the way, let's just get to the reality of where we most likely struggle. You aren't perfect, so stop trying to be perfect. Try to be righteous. Don't try to be perfect. Spiritual rest. Let the soul rest. How do you do that? Worship. Worship. Now this is one of the challenges that I think people have when they they stay home and they get fed through the TV or the internet. Is that they're not gathered together in worship. And can I encourage you, there's you know, when you talk about rest for the soul, the, the, the strategy here is actually a renewing of the soul, an energizing of the soul. The soul can't get energized unless it's resting. But part of that rest is worship. That's part of the reason I'm here today. It's selfish. I get re-energized by being with you and worshiping with you. But I got very rested this past week by worshiping God up at Hume Lake in nature. By being in His Word, by being silent, by being in prayer, by waiting, by abiding. Worship with Him. Trust Him. So much of the time our soul cannot rest because we have declared ourselves God. And we have said we have the ability to control and dictate our circumstances to a certain degree. Obviously, that's true. I dressed myself fairly well today for sabbatical. But that's the practical world that we live in, isn't it? And so sometimes it becomes a discipline to say, I'm going to trust God. And Jeremiah 17.5, it's up in, our, it's up in our, our fireside room. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And I'll just paraphrase it. It says, cursed is the one who trusts in man. For when the heat comes, he will not survive. When the winds come, he will be blown away. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and he will be like a tree firmly planted that never fails to bear fruit. Where is your trust? Your soul will never get rest if you do not trust in God. Practice that spiritually. Practice repentance. Practice forgiveness. Practice rejoicing. All of these components add to your rest. And by the way, these are the antithesis of all the things that we fill in our box that want to add stress and stress and stress and worry and strife and difficulty and longing and covetousness and on and on it goes. Selfishness. And yet when we fill the box with the right things, our soul is what? At rest. Let me close today by giving you the last point. By the way, for those of you that are concerned and you're stressed, you're saying, oh, he's back and we're getting out late again. The last point is renew. The last point is renew. And this point should take two minutes. This means to resume an activity after an interruption. It also means to reestablish a relationship. Paul knew the secret of renewal. Turn to 2 Corinthians 4, if you will. Paul's secret of renewal was number one, removing things. Number two, learning how to rest in the midst of terrible, difficult, challenging circumstances and demands. But he also understood what it meant to renew. Renew is the capstone. Renew is getting a bigger box that has plenty of room in there. And it's filled with the right things. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. He says, so we do not lose heart. Well, what, why would we lose heart? Because what he's talking about prior to this is how they're beaten down, how they're perplexed, how they're hurt, how they're challenged, how they're alone. All of these things that take away from our rest, right? And yet, what does he say? We do not lose heart. Does this sound like an individual who is lacking in rest and peace? No. So what is Paul's secret? 
I'm going to pass it on to you right now. It says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self, our soul, is being renewed day by day. So that's your secret, Paul. Yeah, it is. Well, that's great, Paul. Because when you say I'm being renewed day by day, that's a great pithy spiritual statement. But I got no idea what you mean by that. But he explains it. Here is the key, my friends, to renewal. So he says they're being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So he's looking to the future. He's looking to heaven. He understands he's in a difficult time, a difficult race, but this is temporary. And it's moving towards something else. He understood that this time is his race. That this time was the time to depend on Christ and to see what Christ will do through Him. Ephesians 2.10 For God has created us for good works through Him before the creation of time. Each of us has this charted out for us. And then when we can do the impossible, far-reaching things beyond what we could possibly imagine, yet we are renewed. We are not lying in a pussy sap of gelatinous goo because we're done we're finished it's too much we can't handle it paul's saying i can handle anything i don't lose heart throw it at me give me the best shot you got because i'm being renewed day by day why because i got my eyes set on the end game i got my eyes set on that rest that the writer of hebrews talks about and it's coming. And in the meantime, God is carrying me through over and over. And how do you know that, Pastor? Because listen to what he says. Here's your key, right? He says, be renewed day by day. That's fantastic, Paul. Well, what's that look like? How do I do that? How do I put teeth to that? He says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He's looking day by day to the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So much of the time, I find that believers know nothing about the power of the Holy Spirit. It was about signing a contract so they don't go to hell. And by the way, that's a good thing. <laughs> I don't ever want to put that one down. But how many of you would love to get keys to a brand new Audi and have it in the garage, but just never drive it? Some of you are like, I hate German engineering. Why would you bring up Audi? Let me leave you with this. So how do we rest in the necessary battle? Ephesians 6, 10-18. We'll close with this. Turn there if you will. So Paul says it's the Holy Spirit. He focuses on the unseen. And that renews him day by day. Can I encourage you, desperately encourage you, to pursue what it means to walk daily in the Spirit. Start by reading Romans 8. Read in Romans 8. And that will give you an understanding. It will give you a picture of what it looks like to walk in that Spirit so you can be renewed day by day. That you can have that rest. And if you're going to focus on the Holy Spirit, if you're going to seek the Holy Spirit, you are going to have to remove things out of your life. Now here's some things that you need to add into your life. You want to know how to connect with the Holy Spirit and how to be renewed and energized in that way. Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. I'm in verse 10 and 11 of Ephesians 6. He says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. If we're talking about rest, rest from what? Well, if we're talking about rest for our soul, it surely stands that it's those things that Satan is using effectively or that the, the temptation of the world in general is using effectively to make us distraught, to discombobulate us, to throw us off. And so Paul says there's this armor of God that helps you 
be able to stand against those schemes of the devil. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And here you go. If you like lists, if you like process, here it is. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. We hate truth. We love truth as long as it works in our favor. Right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, hold your wife or husband accountable for something according to truth. And suddenly truth becomes relative. No, we have a whole society that's thrown truth out the door. And it's done it throughout the history of mankind over and over and over. And the reason that we want to disassemble or deconstruct truth is if we can do that, you can't hold me accountable. Isn't it interesting that he says, if you want to stand against all these pressures, if you want your soul to have rest, the first place you've got to start with is truth. If you want to seek the Holy Spirit, stand in the truth. Then he says what? He says, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having the breastplate of righteousness. We need to become a people or we need to strive to become a people that are all about righteousness. All about what God's desire, what His holy standard is for our life. And nothing else. Not a political standpoint. Not a socioeconomic standpoint. But the righteous attitude and Word of God. Amen? If we do that, our soul will have rest and we will be renewed day by day. And and as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I learned that lesson today. We've got one day for turnover. We head out on the road again tomorrow. Today's the day. We got home last night. I left to go run an errand and every door in my car was open at 10.30 at night. And only half the stuff is out of there. My car is a disaster. And in the midst of all that, I lost my sandals. So I'm walking around all night last night in bare feet, which is fine by me. I'm on sabbatical. So this morning, I had to bring my daughter over here, Gentry, to sing. And I get home, and uh, I'm gathering all my stuff together out of my car, and I'm walking to the porch, and all of a sudden, I feel what... I thought was like a rock. You know how we, when you're, you're stepping, you step on a rock, you're like, ah, and it's kind of stuck there. I'm like trying to shake it off, and it's not shaking off. I'm like, man, this thing is persistent. I get my toe up underneath here, and I'm like, right? Now, I don't have what on? I'm not ready to walk around. And I brought a lot of distress into my life. I walk upstairs, and now I'm kind of hobbling. Again, the left leg. And I turn to my wife and I lift my foot and I say, honey, I think I've got a rock stuck in my foot. And she looks and and it's one of those things that, you know, when you're in the hospital and your kids are there, you know, you're like, you try to feign that everything's okay. My wife's wife's like, oh, Um, just hold still. She reaches and she pulls out a 14-inch staple. Okay, it was only an inch. But it felt like she was pulling 14 inches out of the bottom of my foot. I had stepped on an inch-long staple, and it went all the way up into my foot. And I figured by Wednesday when we're in Seattle, I'm going to be like imitating the zombie apocalypse with tetanus and typhoid and everything. I was not prepared. When Paul writes the readiness for the gospel, that's this concept that your shoes, that you're ready to go anywhere with the gospel. You're prepared. Because when you're not prepared, it adds stress and hurt into your life. Be prepared, my friends. Then he says what? In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. There's your list. Number one, follow Paul's example on how to be renewed day by day. Focus on the unseen, the Holy Spirit. You want to learn how to communicate with the Holy Spirit and walk with Him like Romans 8 speaks about. 
Practice these things that are the spiritual armor of God. Remove things out of your life. Come unto Him who wants to take your burdens upon Him and rest and then renew. Why am I here today? Because I read on Monday a little bit about Spurgeon's sabbatical. And what Spurgeon said about his sabbatical is you get rest, but you never stop longing for your people. And he's right. There is no place that I feel more energized than to be with you and to serve you. Am I still resting? Absolutely. I'm still, and by the way, I won't be here for the next four weeks. You get a one-off, all right? I won't be here. Part of the reason that this is not a burden is because God is renewing and renewing. And I desire deeply to share with you a people who share the same struggles I do, the same pressures, a few of the things I'm trying to work out about removing things out of my life, about knowing how to pursue rest, and about what it means to be renewed day by day. Let me close in prayer today, and then I'm going to disappear. <laughs> this morning, if you've brought your gifts and your offering, thank you so much. It is a testimony to the Lord. Here at Conquer Bible Church, our attitude towards worship in giving is exactly that. It is a worshipful act. And so as you may have brought something today, we know that you're doing so as a cheerful person, as a joyful giver, that we emphasize highly that we don't ever want anybody to give out of compulsion or guilt. If you brought something or you have a card filled out, you're visiting today. In the back, you have the two um, boxes. You can drop those off as you leave today. Let me um, pray over you and we'll dismiss. Father, thank you for the blessedness of being gathered together as the body of Christ. Thank you for rest and thank you so much for this church that has granted this time off for me. But thank you for teaching me already how great a privilege it is to serve these people, your people, my people. We pray for the continuation of your Spirit's work here at Concord Bible Church. And I pray that it's a personal message today that takes power into each individual life to remove that which needs to be removed, to make room so that rest can happen and so that you can transition or we can transition, Father, into renewing and be renewing, renewed day by day. Lord, bless the gifts that are coming in today. Use them for Your glory and Your power. To You, the only Father, the One who is worthy to be praised, be all glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. And I'll see you in four weeks.